Thank you for listening to the Hope City Community Church Podcast. We pray that your life will be forever changed by what you hear today. Our goal is to encourage, inspire, and challenge you to experience the real Jesus. Thanks for listening. Now let's tune in. Good morning, church. Wow, God is good, yes. Woo, some of y'all don't even know how good God is in here. Heard me? Listen, listen. Uh, let's just get this uh, conversation out in the open. Uh, this football thing is tough. It's just tough. It just is. Uh, where are my Florida State fans at? Where are my Alabama fans at? Yeah. Listen, I'm 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 an Arkansas fan, so I'm, you know, I understand patience and trials and. Uh, let me just let me just put this out there that uh, I like when a team can run the gamut undefeated. I think that's a big feat. But 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 see, you got teams like like Liberty University per se. You know, twelve twelve and 0, 12 and zero. But who did they play? Right? They played teams like Hold My Mule While I Shout University, and you know, you know, online colleges and stuff. They just. They just sent an email, hey, if you can throw a ball, show up Saturday, we're playing Liberty, you know. Uh, that's kind of like having a hot date, you know, to the dance, but it's your cousin, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> kind of like you're excited about it, but you don't want to tell anybody, you know. <laughs> In fact, Liberty's undefeated. Just If you're a Liberty fan, just stay in your seat and don't tell nobody. Uh, Liberty ought not be in the conversation for a national championship. But with that being said, um, uh, from what I saw yesterday, Florida State, uh, your offense is horrible. It just is. Your defense is fantastic. Some of the best I've seen. But your offense is just broke down. And you need to pray to the God of football that neither Georgia or Alabama gets in that playoff. Because what I saw from them two teams was some of the best football I've seen in decades. Those two teams look phenomenal. So, and I'm just pandering to the larger crowd. That's what I do. You know, so <laughs> yeah, yeah, and we're all just going to pray for Arkansas. Amen, amen. Arkansas is not bowling this year, so we can just make fun of everybody else. You know, that's the way it's going to go. Uh, I say all that um, to say this, that when Daniel brought the podium in, he just told me that the they did make the decision on who got in. And Alabama made it. Somebody double check it. Somebody double check it. I just, I just heard Alabama made it to the Final Four. Somebody check it. I'm going to tell you, God moves at Hope City. He moves at Hope City. <laughs> Some of y'all in here, I was talking about the goodness of God. I said, well, if you're good, here's what you're going to do for me today. You're going to bump somebody out the playoff system and put my team in there. God said, well, that's what it takes. Maybe, I don't know. Bree, look at it. Tell me if it's true. Is it true? Georgia's out. Well, we all knew Georgia shouldn't have been there again. Roll tide. All right. All right. Well, well, all I can tell you is that prayer works. Prayer works. Um, I say all that. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to watch the playoffs. I'm excited about, uh, about all the football going on. And uh, uh, no matter uh, what teams we celebrate in here, we love the Lord. Amen. And so I'm, I'm excited about that. Today, I'm excited to continue this series, uh, Holy Night. And we're going to talk today just for a few minutes 
about what made the night Jesus was born so holy, what made it so unique. And one of the most unique things about where Christ was born is where he was actually born. We talked about that last week, Bethlehem. And today we're getting a little more zeroed in. We're narrowing down our view to the actual space that he was born in. Um, But before I go there, uh, I just want to thank you all for being such a giving church. Uh, We put out in faith 180 tags on the hope tree this year. That's two gifts for 90 children. Uh, And they were all gone after second service last week. Y'all took them all. And as a, as a, as a pastor, I talked to other pastors who, you know, they put out ideas, they put out vision, they put out these concepts and they just can't make a grab traction. I said, man, I said, I, I'll pray for you. And they said, well, what are you doing? I said, I'll be honest with you, man. It's just the people. They bought into the vision of making an impact. And I just want to thank you all that every one of those tags uh, has been grabbed and is being taken care of for those kids. And um, there, there's nothing like giving. There is just nothing like giving. And so I praise God that y'all have caught that vision and that you're, you're involved. And I just want to thank you as your pastor and just say thank you because the fact that I don't have to get up here every week and just beat the drum of benevolence. Hey, y'all have got it. The Lord has done a work in your heart and you're letting that love be shed abroad in our community. And I thank you for that. You're a wonderful, wonderful church, and I praise God for the opportunity to lead you. Yeah. Today, I want to I set the stage for what I'm going to teach over the next 15, 20 minutes and, uh, and, and lay down a gauntlet as if I was an uh, attorney in court. And the fact I want to prove to you is that Christ is truly the Messiah. There are people who will challenge what the Bible says. Have you ever seen this? People, you ever asked this? I mean, you really believe he was swallowed by a whale? You really believe there was an ark that held all the animals? Can I tell you, the world is full of people who have begun to sell out small details in the scripture. Don't do that. Hold fast to every word in the Bible, because if I can tell you this, if they can disprove one word of it, It all falls apart. But I want to tell you this. Not only is it all true, not only did every bit of it happen, it's still just as relevant to you today as it was the day the Holy Spirit sent it to be put into ink. And why is it relevant to you? Because your eternity hangs in the balance of whether or not it is true. And so for my opening statement, I want to take you today to Jeremiah chapter 30. Jeremiah chapter 30, verse 3. It says, The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will bring my people Israel and Judah back from captivity and restore them to the land I gave their ancestors to possess, says the Lord. To start off my sermon with this, I, I, I want to give you this as evidence. I want to give you this as proof. Israel was run by other countries for over 2,000 years. But in 1948, Israel was granted its own statehood, and Israel was created as its own country once again. In 1948, the population in Israel was around 800,000. 800,000. 
And since 1948 until 2023, Israel has been in the top three fastest growing countries year after year after year. Why? Jeremiah chapter 30 is true. That God will restore to Israel her children. Right? And so the population today is around 10 million. So from 800,000 to 10 million, from 1948 to now, the fastest growing nation. Can I tell you God's word is true? Now, that's just the people. If you really want to blow your mind, and I don't have time to go into this today. If you really want to blow your mind, I want you to go study the scripture where it talks about the return of the red heifer and the spotted sheep. Red heifer and the spotted sheep. Start your studies in Isaiah 49 and uh, Jeremiah 13. Write those down. The reason I want you to study those is because promises from God said that even their animals would come back. And this this red heifer thing is just, it blew my mind studying it. Uh, For over a thousand years, this perfect sacrifice, this bull that they would find, was you couldn't find them. They were extinct. But in 2018, they found one, and its DNA was pure. When I tell you God is in the details, he's in the details. Just to give you a little insight about the spotted sheep, the spotted sheep were given to Jacob. You remember Jacob told his father-in-law, he said, you take the clean ones, give me the dirty ones. And then God began to multiply the spotted sheep. Those sheep were scattered, right? They were scattered. Well, in Canada, of all places, several years ago, a lady found the DNA of her sheep was unique and could not find breeding patterns that connected to any other sheep. And so she searched the world and she found spotted sheep in the Middle East. And so she traced it back as far as she could. And the oldest lineage was a spotted sheep that was found in Israel. And so now this woman has dedicated her calling in life is returning all of the spotted sheep back to Judah. This was prophesied 1,400 years ago. And it's happening in our lifetime. Why does it matter that it's happening now? Doesn't it make sense that these signs would happen in a season when God would really want us to pay attention. For all of this to happen right now makes it the case for urgency, in my opinion. And so I I give you all of that information because I want you to understand every detail that we study in the Scripture has purpose. And it applies to your life because if every part of the Word is true, then your salvation has drawn nigh. And the best part about it is you no longer have to be bound to the sins of your life. You can be set free today. So today I give you the case for Christmas, the manger. Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 4. Luke chapter 2, verse 4. There are two retellings of the birth of Christ. One is in Luke, one is in Matthew. Luke tells the perspective of the shepherds. Matthew tells the perspective of the wise men of the And uh, today we're going to look at at this from the shepherd's perspective. Luke chapter 2, verse 4 through 20, it says, So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, from Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house in the line of David. So let me tell you what's going on. They have called a census. 
You had to go back to the town which you were born because they held the records to your genealogy. Genealogy was huge, huge to the Israelis. It still is to this day. And it is in the Bible. There are several places where it says so-and-so begot, so-and-so begot, so-and-so. So when you first start reading the Bible, leave that stuff alone. It's the deep end of the pool. But as the Lord draws you to the deeper things, what you're going to find is that genealogy means something. Next week, we're going to talk about the power of the virgin birth. And I'm going to tell you, if you ain't ready for genealogy, don't come next week. We're going, we're going, we're going to put on our, our scuba kits, and we're going to the deepest part of the pools next week. Somebody say amen. Verse 5, it says, He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger. We're going to come back to that word in just a minute. Because there was no guest room available for them, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby. Now, now, why would it say fields nearby? It could just say shepherds were in the fields. But it gives us a, a little bit of evidence here. Fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. The angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. They were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. You know, some people are still arguing over that today. And I tell you, Jesus is the Messiah. And we're going to prove that today. Uh, verse 12, this will be a sign to you. Now watch this. The angel is giving them clues as to how they will know and where they will find the Messiah. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Remember, remember that word manger. We talked about swaddling cloths being reserved only for spotless lambs last week. Uh, remember, the fact that they told these shepherds, you're going to find this baby in swaddling cloths, would instantly erase, I mean, just, just lift up their concern. Like, wait a second, why are they using holy garments for a human? Why does that, that doesn't equate? But later on, uh, these, uh, these, these shepherds found out the truth. It says, and he'll be lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising God and saying glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. Pause right there. Up until now, it has always been a manger. Watch this. Now, all of a sudden, verse 16, it goes from a manger to the manger. We're getting specific now. where We're starting to get details as to where Christ is. Verse 17, when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. So today, the first thing I want to show you is what I found in the Hebrew. Uh, anytime in uh, Luke, the word manger is used, 
uh, it is used in the terms as uh, just a typical holding place for animals. But when it says the manger, there is a different word used for the manger. The word there is fatne. It's P-H-A-T-N-E. Fatne. Fatne is a word that means the room or stall. It is a specific room inside of a building. Uh, this is giving details. If I was to say, you're going to find Jesus. If I, uh, so let, let me give you this, just so you understand. Every house in America, for the most part, has a garage. Well, back then, nearly every house had a manger. It was like a barn, kind of. Uh, they weren't made out of wood. They were generally made out of stone or caves. Uh, and for, them to, for the angel to say, you're going to find Jesus in one of these mangers, they would have had to search thousands. But when they got specific about a manger, the manger, the fatna. He was saying there's a room in a specific place that you're going to find him. And how did they know which one to look at? How did they know which fatna to go to? It translates to manger uh, or from a manger to a room. It's been, it's kind of all been thrown in together, but when it goes to the manger, the word there changes. It changes to fatna. We need to pay attention to that. The Hebrew's got some great uh, uh, clarity there for us. So fatna literally means a room or a stall in a building. Let's jump to Genesis chapter 35 for more evidence. Genesis chapter 35, verse 19 through 21. Genesis 35, verse 19 through 21. Verse 19 says, So Rachel died and was buried on the way to Ephrath, that is Bethlehem. Over her tomb, Jacob set up a pillar. To this day, that pillar marks Rachel's tomb. Then Israel, that's Jacob, the other name for Jacob, moved on again and pitched his tent beyond Migdal Adair. Migdal Adair. What's interesting is Migdal Adair uh, is a specific place that we're going to talk about in just a minute. What I really felt the Holy Spirit saying there is, first, we know something specific about Rachel and Jacob. Rachel is the wife that Jacob loved. And when she passed away, uh, he created monuments for her, as we do our loved ones now. However, where he placed her monument next to this Migdal Adair, there is this beautiful story. Because what I'm about to show you is that the Messiah came from this place called Migdal Adair. And what's very cool about this is that there is a picture uh, that is found in Jeremiah that I want to show you, that what you sow in mourning can be returned to you in gladness. That what sometimes God may ask you to give may seem like you're losing something, but in fact you're planting something, and you need to get ready for your harvest. You may be in a season where what you had previously looked like more, but where you're going is even greater. And so God has these patterns that what he asks from us is seed to sow so that he can grow something even greater, right? And so when Israel, watch this, Jacob's name Israel, when Israel gave up what it loved, from the same place, the greatest love for Israel came. It's a picture of God's faithfulness. We find this in Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 13. God's heart toward this. It says, then the virgin will rejoice in the dance. 
and the young men and the old together. For I will turn their mourning into joy, will comfort them and give them joy for their sorrow. Talking about Jacob. Jacob gave his wife, Rachel, planted her, his greatest love. Later on, the same place, same area where he buried his wife. God says, I'm going to save my bride from this place. It's a beautiful picture, beautiful picture. Let's talk about the Migdal Adair. Let's go on further into this case, this proof. The Migdal Adair is a Hebrew word that translates loosely into the tower of the flock. Not a flock, the flock. The tower of the flock. It is known as the place where unique sheep are grown that we discussed last week. Only the perfect lambs that are grown can enter the Migdal Adair. In Micah chapter 5, verse 2, we talked about this. I'm going to give you this verse again. It says, But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from of old, from everlasting. Now, that is saying that somewhere around Bethlehem, there is going to be uh, a great ruler. Now, watch this. Micah chapter 4, verse 8. Micah chapter 4, verse 8. As for you, watchtower of the flock, stronghold of daughter Zion, the former dominion will be restored to you. Kingship will come to a daughter of Jerusalem. Now, there's so many details in this that I want to point out to you. And for the sake of time, I can't, I can't show them to you all. But here's what I want to show you. First, watch Tower of the Flock. When you read this in Hebrew, it literally says, as for you, Migdal Adair. Talking about the same place. If it said watch Tower of a flock, we'd be confused. Watch Tower of the flock is the Migdal Adair, the same place we're talking about. It says, uh, the stronghold of the daughter of Zion. This is a very unique place. Usually when you see daughter, it's talking about a group of people uh, or a specific woman, right? It says, the former dominion will be restored to you. What dominion? The greatest dominion Israel ever had was under King David's lordship, under his leadership. And here's what's interesting. After him, a generation or two after him, the kingdom was divided into two. So we know that the kingdom will be reunited if it's better than the former dominion, right? So it's saying there's a former dominion that's going to be restored. If you go to Israel now, like every other thing has the name David in it. Uh, you got a burger house, they got a McDavid. You go to, uh, you know, they got a David L instead of a ginger ale. They got, you know, everything. It's, it's David this, David that. Why? Because he was the apex of their society the apex of their leadership and, their, and, and all their culture dates back to a lot of the things that they created during his leadership. It's like their glory days. They had the uh, political hats that say, make Israel Davidish again. Right? So uh, the last thing I want to point out to you is this says kingship will come to a daughter of Jerusalem. This was highly inflammatory stuff Micah was talking about. Kingship will come to a daughter of Jerusalem. Why was that inflammatory? Because kings were men 
and men had heirs, and they were men. There were no queens of Jerusalem. There were no queens of Israel. There were no queens of Israel or Judah. Even after the kingdom separated, there were no queens. This is a patriarchal society. So when Micah is prophesying that kingship will come from a daughter, this was, I mean, oh, what's he talking about? This guy's lost his marbles. You and I know it as the virgin birth. This is a messianic prophecy that's pointing that a father's seed will not be attached to the coming king. Isn't that great? So now we've got the watchtower of the flock, the Migdal Adair, and from this place, a virgin birth will take place. The evidence is building. Stay with me. My, my stories took me to two references that I haven't studied in years. The Mishnah and the Targums. Has anybody read the Mishnah or the Targums? Anybody? The, the Mishnah and the Targums. Uh, let, let, me, let me give you kind of a brief synopsis. The Mishnah is the first recording of the oral law of the Jews. Uh, it's it's uh, um, uh, uh, basically the written of the spoken word for the law of the Jews. Um, it states clearly that the flocks of the Migdal Adair were for the uh, the only ones who could be used for temple worship, especially on Passover. It was against Hebraic law for you to bring a random goat or sheep to Passover didn't happen. And uh, this law, uh, the Mishnah talks about the specificity of why these sheep came from Migdal Adair. It's because there was a rabbinical oversight of their birth, their protection, their growth, their development, all of it. Have you ever heard the term kosher? Everything about the Migdal Adair was a kosher approach to growing temple sacrificial sheep. Okay, now jump to the Targums. The Targums are another set of writings. It's T-A-R-G-U-M-S. It's an Aramaic translation of the Hebrew Bible. Okay, and what makes this interesting is that it's given different commentaries by different people. And it's writings over the years that are contemporary to the scriptures. Now, I want to make this very clear. Neither the Mishnah or the Targums should be held in the same esteem as the Word of God. They are simply references, right? They are not in the same authority, especially the Targums. The Targums were commentary of different scriptures. And they're Aramaic, which there's translation issues in some of it, but for today, it was perfect, and it worked out really nice. Uh, the main Targum we want to look at is called Targum Jonathan. It was written by a man named Jonathan uh, Ben Uzael. It's, uh, uh, he lived about 100 years after Christ. Uh, in theory, in concept, he was a contemporary of that time. What makes that interesting is so many of the debates that we get about the Bible try to claim that it was written closer to us than closer to Jesus. But the truth is, is that most of the Bible was written within a very close proximity to Christ's life, the New Testament, and the Old Testament all speaks to that time Christ was alive. Can I tell you, I said this last week, but I just want to drive this point home real quick before I give you this. The life of Christ 
validated 365 prophecies. 365 prophecies were fulfilled by his life. 300 of those validated the day he was born. Can I tell you, God was speaking throughout the ages to tell us his boy was on his way. These prophecies, uh, I don't know if you ever listened to a man by the name of Chuck Missler. Chuck Missler was the head of the Joint Chiefs of Staff for Naval Intelligence. Uh, had an IQ, uh, like the third highest IQ that they've ever tested. Chuck Missler had a concept where he would run these astronomical numbers. And what he said is, is he said, the proof of Christ's existence is actually on the non-believer. Meaning that it's impossible to prove that Christ was not the Messiah. He said, the, the, the data is so full and those prophecies coming into play into one day and being fulfilled in one day, not just one day, one moment. The moment that baby popped out, 300 prophecies, all through history, fulfilled. Watch this. He said it'd be the equivalent of filling up the entire state of Texas three foot deep with quarters. And then taking a red quarter, just one side of it, and throwing it into the middle. He said, and then let tornadoes break out all over to stir it up. And you would have one chance. And in that one chance, you would grab the red quarter. He said, these are the numbers in relational to the fact that he would not be the Christ. It's impossible. All of these prophecies add together to point to one thing. Jesus was worthy to die on the cross in your stead. I give you Targum Jonathan, written a hundred years after the death of Christ. This was a retelling of Genesis 35, which we read earlier. It says, and he, Jacob, Israel, spread his tent beyond Migdal Adair. And he goes in his commentary, he says, this was the place where the King Messiah will reveal himself at the end of days. Within a lifetime of Christ, they knew this is Jesus. This is the one. And the Bible says that the, he was the stone the builders rejected. Can I tell you, people have been sold a lie that ours is like other religion. It's not. Can I tell you, there's no prophecy about Buddha's birth. There aren't prophetic utterances about the head of any other religion that have come true, that can be proven through historical documents. The clues that we've gone over last week and today, and we're going to hit over the next two weeks, my goal is that when we light candles on the 24th, faith would be on fire. That you would know, that you know, that you know that the God that we serve is not like the gods of other religions. Paul said it like this, we don't serve gods made of stone or wood. We serve the one true living God. And the best part, oh, this is the best part of all this. He said it was just for you. Man. 
get that. Just for you. Just for you. Had you been alone, it would have still happened. You think about it. I often, this past week, was thinking about Joseph. You know, we as men want to do right by our wives. I wish I would try to get Wendy to sleep in a garage after taking her to a hotel. <laughs> you go check in a hotel, man, ain't no rooms. I'll go to the next hotel. Well, man, they're having a convention. There ain't no rooms in town. I got a garage you can sleep in. Wendy be like, load the truck. We going home. Joseph goes to the room at the end. He says, hey, man, my wife's huge pregnant. This, this woman could pop any minute. Please, man, ain't you got a bed or something? Closed door. <laughs> Closed door. For you and I. Because had they found a room in a hotel, over 40 prophecies would have been missed. They went hotel to hotel. Man, please, man, my wife, man, she's pregnant. Can't you see the drama I'm finna be in if I can't put this woman in a bed? <laughs> All right, Joseph. We booked up a long time ago. Man, we're so full, we can't even put you on the floor in here, man. But you know what, man? I heard, man, the, some of the priests talking the other day. They, 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 they got a room, and because, because it's Passover, all the... All the sheep have been pulled out of this one room. They might have some space over at McDonald's there. Go check them out. Joseph, are you serious? I got to go out there with the goats and stuff? Yeah, man, sorry. That's the only place I can tell you. But it's not like a normal garage. It's not like a normal manger. This is, this is a special place. It's a holy place. It's not going to be like a barn, man. Just trust me. Just go check it out. Joseph goes and knocks on the door. I can only imagine the rabbinical priest. They open the door and they see a pregnant woman knowing prophecy. I don't have but one room for you. All making sense now. I can put you in the room where the lambs are born. It's soft, it's warm. Keep the rain off of you. So I said, I guess I'll take it. So I'm sure for a while it was shameful. That's your wife living in a barn, bro. See, sometimes God will put us through some things we don't understand. Sometimes from the outside looking in, sometimes from the inside looking in, it don't seem right. I tell you, God's got a plan bigger than what you know. He's at work for eternity and we're stuck in temporary. So what I want you to see today is had there been one hotel room open, this whole thing would have been different. I want you to think about all the people that God had to make book hotels just to make this story come to fruition. <laughs> Think about it. Joseph Payne, man, please have a room. Please have a room. Man, try the tower. They got some space. 
talking about where they keep it? Yeah, where they keep the sheep. There, Lamb of God. Said it last week, I'll say it again. John the Baptist said it best. Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. The pinnacle priest had stepped outside, checked the valuable sheep, and an angel showed up and said, It happened. And I said, I let the King of glory in tonight. It's a picture of you at this very moment. You see, some of you let him in a long time ago. Some of you, God has moved heaven and earth to bring you here today. Now it's not Joseph, it's Jesus. the room it's just me it's just you do you have room for a savior in your house will you give up your own desires to chase what I have for you every head bow every eye closed this is a holy moment it started thousands of years ago and it leads us to this very second my prayer is that I've made the case that you would believe that he's the Messiah, the son of the living God. And if that's true, then he is all the way God. Which means that when he bowed in the garden of Gethsemane to pray and all of that sin hit him, that included yours. Here today, you can step out of your sin. You can step out of your mistakes. You could be born again. He said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Knocking. How do you know he's knocking? You feel the stirring in your spirit right now. Something's not quite right. You just feel this fluttering in your chest. It's a it's a, it's like the, the butterflies, but it's something greater. It's a it's a knowledge that this is a holy moment for you. This is a moment that God has carved out for you. So if you're here. And you say, Pastor, I let him in a long time ago. I know I'm saved. I've, I, I, I've set my appointment for heaven. I know I'm ready. If that's you and you know that you know, let me see your hand. Praise God. Now, for everybody who couldn't raise your hand, let me just talk to you for just one more second. Why are you not sure? What has happened in your life that scared you away from the sweetest of all loves. Can I tell you, man can taint it. Man can make it something it's not. That's why I like to get out of the way and just let the scripture do the work. Today, I've given you the case to understand that Jesus is not like another man. Messiah, the one and only Son of God. And He came so you could have freedom from your mistakes. And if you're here and you say, Pastor, I'll have some of that. That sounds good. I, I want to know that I know. I want that assurance. You see, the beauty is this, is that 
Yeah, eternity's great. Heaven's going to be wonderful. But the truth is, is that the beauty of your relationship begins today. He's wonderful. He is, he's been better to me. I'm going to finish this the way I started. All my life, he has been faithful. Let me sing it a different way. All your life, he will be faithful. All your life, he will be so, so good. All you've got to do is accept him today. That's it. Just accept him today. So if you're here and you say, I'm ready. Nobody's looking around. Just shoot your hand up. I want to pray for him. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. Put your hand up. God bless you. 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 Hands all over the room. Come on. Come on. Put them up high. I want to see them. God bless you. 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 Come on. Come on. Come on. There's room for more. There's room for more. Anybody else? Come on. Come on. Today is the day of salvation. Come on. God bless you. Who else? Not going to rush this moment. This is the reason why Hope City exists. Anybody else? You can put your hands down. Anybody else I've missed? Holding on. Who am I holding on for? Who is it? I'm going to tell you, I've had this happen before. The Lord will point you out to me. He loves you that much. Who are you? Who are you? Father, give them the faith to raise their hand. I rebuke the spirit of fear in the name of Jesus. Who are you? See, I've been walking with him a while now, and I'm, I'm learning to hear his voice. When he tells me, just hold up for a second. I hold up for a second. Who are you? This whole service to sit here. You, you're holding everybody else's hot lunch up. Who are you? Who are you? Shoot your hand up. Nobody's looking around. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. Man, don't be embarrassed. Where are you? Feel a stirring in your heart. Where are you? Where are you? Thanks, pray. I just feel a stirring in my heart. Where are you? Do not run from the love of Jesus. He loves you. Don't leave here today. This is some urgent business. I've never in my life felt the urgency to hold a service like I'm doing it right now. Where are you? So I'm ready to change. Today's going to be a new day for me. Just shoot your hand up. I'm going to pray for you. God bless you. I got you. I got you right there. God bless you. the Holy Spirit in this room. Lord, you're good. You're all the way good. The more we learn of you, the more beauty we see. There is no shadow of turning with you. You're just all the way good. Thank you for your faithfulness. To you. Thank you for your word that gives us clues that we can find our Messiah. Thank you for that today. You're here. I want everybody to just repeat after me, everybody. See, some of you moved to tears. That's just the Spirit of God. That's an embrace from heaven. Just let that happen. After we pray in a second, 
My prayer team will be up here to my left, your right. I want you to come down and see us. But first, we're all going to pray together, okay? Everybody say, dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you for your word. Thank you that it points to the answer of my needs. His name is Jesus. And I believe he's the son of God. Today, I choose to believe in him. I receive you now as my savior. Would you receive me now as your child? Thank you for loving me. From this day forward, I'm yours. I'm secure in Jesus. And I thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Can you give God some praise for a second? <laughs> Hallelujah. Go ahead and stand to your feet. I want to bless you before I turn you loose. Anybody who raised your hand, you don't have to. You don't have to. Can I tell you, man puts all these boxes to check on Jesus. If you raised your hand, you confessed him and you believe in your heart, it's the done work. But if you feel like you want to pray, if you just feel something stirring and you want somebody to stand with you and talk with you and pray with you, I want you to know the elders and my prayer team, as many as it takes, I don't care if 50 of you come, we'll find somebody to pray with you. Because we love Jesus and he loves you. And if he loves you and we love him, we love you. That's the way that works. You see, I can't hate a man and love what he loves. I love what he loves. He loves you. So don't leave here today if you have a need. If you want to pray, our prayer team will be right here. Let me bless you. Lord, thank you. Thank you. All our lives, you've been faithful. What a beautiful picture that you opened today and you closed today with worship. Thank you for loving us the way. Father, my prayer is a simple one. Bless us. Be gracious to us and show us your faith. Your face shine upon us and give us peace both now and forevermore. Cover us with the blood of Jesus. From the top of our head to the soles of our feet, I thank you that no weapon formed against us will prosper. Thank you, Lord. The clues and the evidence have led us to the Messiah today. Thank you, Lord. As this series continues, draw us closer to you. Let the evidence of the word speak. May every mouth be shut up. May your word be true. I thank you, Lord, that we can rely on. In today's society, Lord, there's nothing we can stand on but your word. The sands shift and time changes, but your word stays the same. And I praise you for that. The one immovable thing you gave us. And I just want to tell you you're good because of it. thank you for that. Thank you, Lord. You're going to bring us back next week with more wisdom and more of your word locked away in our heart. And we'll give you the glory, honor, and the praise. In Jesus' holy and precious name we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you. We love you. And we'll see you next week. Thanks again for joining us today for the Hope City Community Church Podcast. We pray that what you've heard today will bless you until the next time we meet again. 
We hope you'll join us again soon to be encouraged, inspired, and challenged to experience the real Jesus. Take good care and God bless.